Hey guys, uh, we're back. Another episode of, I think it's episode number 35, Pris. Uh, that's honestly a big milestone for us, um, but it's a cool yeah. stat for you guys. 35th episode of all time, but first time in a while that me and Chris have back together, honestly. Uh, Chris was in Mexico the past week. We'll get into that soon a little bit. I just came back from my graduation trip. Uh, we went down to Lake George, actually. That was a fun time, honestly, good times with the boys. But uh, we did it right into a couple of bumps along the way. Uh, we ran into some mouse poop. That's always fun. Um, Chris, how was Mexico? It was great, man. Had a great time. Got to get some sun in there. You can't really tell, I don't think, a whole lot. But, you know, definitely got a little bit sun, so a little bit tanner here. And um, we had a blast. Got to swim with dolphins. Got to eat a lot of good food. Just got to experience uh, the Cancun Riviera Maya area as an adult as, as opposed to last time I was there when I was in college and I basically just hit up all the clubs and partied my butt off and everything like that as you would when you're a college kid but um, we'll be going back probably in the wintertime again because we really really enjoyed it and anybody who is looking for a good vacation spot Hotel Excoret in Mexico is definitely worth it. It's a little expensive but you're not going to be coming back from the trip saying I spent how much money and I got that you know, you'll be like, that was totally worth it. Had a great time. A lot of great memories. Well, guys, I mean, if you have the money, you might as well spend it. So uh, sure. Mexico, uh, like I said, I mean, I have been to Mexico, Chris. You, you, you've you, got all experience in you. So, uh, again, you know. You need to go down, man. Yeah. yeah. Go down. It's worth gotta it. Check you that out. Get, get to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. Got, I took um, Spanish in school and – you know, it came back to me the longer I was there and stuff, but I, I'm nowhere was I ever fluent in that language. But, you know, I was able to kind of pick up some things that were said um, and kind of converse. It also got me in trouble when they'd be like, hola, uh -oh. I'm like, oh, como estas? And they would just bust out in space like, oh, that was a bad move because I only picked up one word that you said. And I'm not sure what to say. So I just go into English and they obviously would all be like, Okay, we'll go. We'll talk English with you as well too. But just uh, uh, always go with some uh, Buenos Dias. That that's the way to go. I actually I took I'm, I took Duolingo. Uh, okay. For a good couple 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 months actually. I think four or five months. So honestly, I grinded Spanish for a good amount of a uh, good amount of time. So I picked up a little bit. I think I know the basics. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I can go into depth. Like I wouldn't. I can't have a half an hour conversation with a random Mexican on the street uh, mm -hmm. or Spanish person like i see walking like like construction workers i think it was like last month uh mm -hmm. we're doing construction in our house and i was like what did i say i was like uh uh necesito agua something like that like, i i can do i can know that i know the basics I'm, i mean not to say i know yeah. i can't ramble off the whole uh dictionary mm -hmm. here but yeah I, can, I i think i can do the basics um yeah. so there's something wrong with the, the quality of the air guys uh so that's it's been a little scary, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was up on Lake George, it honestly didn't really impact me too much. But from what I heard, not sure what, Chris, what type of, uh, how bad it is by you. But yesterday, uh, I was talking to my dad, my parents. They said that it got up to three, the index was at 300 yesterday. Not sure how bad is it by you. I heard at DC, it, they're getting the effects now because it just passed by them. But when I was in Lake George, it, it, we didn't get any of the effects. But when I came back, like last night, I was walking back to the house and it was pretty bad. Like everything was orange. Mm -hmm. um, so pretty scary, honestly. Uh, do you, Did you guys get anything there? In, uh, yeah, it's kind of, 
No, not really. We've had the last few days have been a little hazy, um, but nothing like awful or anything extreme like that. Uh, it just this whole situation with the Canadian wildfires reminds me of back in 2020. I think it was the COVID year um, when there was wildfires going on in California and they were going up the northwest coast and turning the sky red and everything um, in, in Seattle and everything. Because I remember watching a game. And it looked like there was just fog on the field uh, wow. at, at T-Mobile Park, but it was just the smoke and everything. So it was crazy. Um, you know, everyone that's out and being that's, you know, obviously being affected by it more than what I am here in Indiana, uh, you know, be safe out there, be smart. Um, you know, it'll, it'll eventually get cleared up and things will go back to normal. But, you know, for now, you know, just be smart. Don't, don't do a whole lot outside if you don't need to or anything like that. Um, the pictures I've seen, it's crazy the way it changes the color of the sky and everything. So um, I hope everyone stays safe that's affected by it. Listen, if unless you're planning to have some crazy outdoor uh, trip uh, somewhere in the tri-state area, uh, but it's now steer clear of uh, at least anything outdoors for now. Uh, just like, you know, stay safe. I mean, I've been keeping indoors past few days. I haven't really left out. I'm besides the trip when I got back. Like I said, I didn't really get much effects of it, but since I got back, I've kind of stayed indoors most of the time. Uh, it's cleared up actually a lot uh, since I got back. I think we're down to 170, 160, the uh, air index. So that's definitely improvements from the past few days, but uh, still still got to watch out. Yeah. Guys, we've yeah. seen some pretty fun baseball the past couple of days. Uh, I, I've kind of sort of been out of the loop, but I kind of caught myself up the past few days. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm sure you also lost your touch when you were in Mexico. Uh, yeah. Obviously, having some quality time with the fam. Good. Yeah. Um, but it's getting right into it. Aaron Judge is hurt again. He's hurt again. This guy just – it's its at this point, he just can't stay healthy uh, because, like, he's, again, one of the best players in the game, just can't stay healthy. Uh, the second IL stint of the season – uh, he'll be out 10, 15 games. Nestor's on the aisle again. And it's the Yankees are just not staying healthy. And, you know, that's kind of like I was speaking with BBD last week. Chris, you were out for that. Yeah. But uh, with BBD, you know, we were talking about how once the Yankees get healthy, you know, what their potential is as a team. And, you know, the talent that they have with B Big G's back, JD's back. And there's really a lot of factors that come into it. Uh, when it comes to the health of the Yankees, because they are just a very injury-prone team. So Judge is hopefully will return 10, 15 games, I'm assuming. The tests were all negative. Uh, there was nothing, no fractures, no breaks. So that's definitely optimi uh, some optimism over there. Uh, definitely shows that it's not going to be an extensive aisle stint. But it's still something to take in consideration now that we're losing our right fielder. And that means Willie gets more at bats. And Oswaldo as well will uh, get some outfielder reps. Uh, but Chris, this guy just can't stay healthy. There's nothing to do about it. No, no, unfortunately, he, he can't. Um, there's, I mean, there's only so much you can do and everything to try to avoid injuries and be healthy, but they, they happen. Um, and it's unfortunate when they do. It, you know, it will be interesting to see how the Yankees do when he's out of the lineup. I think the first time he was out, uh, they were four and seven or something like that. Um, 
And so obviously he definitely impacts that offense. And you could argue and say that he is the Yanks offense just because of how much attention gets paid to him and knowing where he is in the order. And you obviously don't want to serve up home runs to him, which he can pretty much hit any pitch out of the park um, because he's just that strong and that good. So right now the Yanks are third in the AL East, which the AL East is still the only division that has every team over 500, which is incredible. Um, But they are, even though they're in third place, they're 10, they're eight games back of Tampa Bay and they are 10 games over 500. I mean, that's just, I don't know. I mean, I would have to look to see the last time that type of a situation happened where a team in third place in division was 10 games over 500 and they were still almost double digits behind the first place team. But it is what it is. The Rays have been on a phenomenal road or roll and the Baltimore Orioles are right there in second place looking good and the Yankees are still there. And yeah, when they get healthy, we'll see what kind of role that they can get on because they do have a lot of talent in there, especially on the pitching side. I mean, Carlos Rodon, who was the big signee, hasn't even pitched for them yet. And he, when he gets back, what impact is he going to have on that rotation? Um, And just, you know, how well will he help them get, um, how far will he help the Yankees get in this season and in in the playoffs as well. But unfortunately on the other side of town in in New York, the Mets are just as bad, if not worse. I mean, I don't know. I think we could say worse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they, they are They're They're also in third in the NL East. They spent a ton of money this off season to try and make their team better. Uh, They certainly made it older, which, you know, a lot of people were saying probably not a great idea, because injuries happen and players get hurt, but uh, it is what it is. And, you know, we'll see if they can get things righted, if they can get their ship right. There's seven and a half games behind the Braves and they're only two games under 500. So even though they're in third, you know, they're still pretty solid ball club. They, they really need some things to get moving in a positive direction, especially Francisco Lindor, uh, who is not hitting even 250 on the year, but um, you know, fall you, you, I'm sure I know you're a Yankees fan, but I'm sure you get your fair share of Mets news over there as well. So, you know, what is what's Mets Nation talking about? So there's a lot uh, of negativity uh, around Mets, the Mets atmosphere right now, and especially Mets fans themselves, because, again, Steve Cohn is has been the biggest money spender uh, in the offseason last year and the past couple of years since he really inherited that role as the owner and he's really he's really he's sporting a lot he sports a lot with obviously and like you said they brought in scherzer they brought in verlander and i think there's a lot of factors that play into this when you're talking about a team that has that much raw talent but i really think you know they are stronger on the mound than they are at the plate i do think talent wise uh you know you got that verlander scherzer and obviously, you know, Crasco struggling this year. McGill's been solid this year. Uh, but you're kind of looking some some more consistency out of the top two guys. Uh, obviously, you lost to Grom. Uh, but you're looking for some more consistency out of Verlander, who's been struggling really since he came back. Scherzer's been okay. Uh, last night, he gave up five runs, ten strikeouts. But the Mets are about to get swept by the Braves. Tonight's a rubber match. It's a Strider-Verlander matchup. That's a, that's, that could be a fun one if Verlander's yeah. right. Uh, but really just overall, I think there's, to be honest, there's a couple of guys in the Mets lineup that shouldn't be there. I think Tommy Pham, although he did have a big night at the plate last night, uh, 
Uh, drove in four for the Mets. I do think that he's someone that has really been struggling. You got Vogelback who's struggling a lot. Nito got DFA'd. I think that was big just because they got uh, what's his face? Uh, Alvarez has been doing well. Francisco. And, uh, oh, what's his face? Who did they just get back? They got for the Brewers. He was their second catcher. Uh, oh, uh, Narvaez. Yeah, Omar they got Narvaez is back. So that they had to make room for, I think, of the 26 men roster. Mm-hmm. So Narvaez is now free agent. So if you want Narvaez, call him up, give him a call, and uh, sign him to a small contract and give you some good uh, cashier guys behind the plate. His bat isn't exactly, uh, you know, all star level, I would say, not even close. But uh, he's some, you know, he can. Uh, they can play a few games at catcher for you. So, again, like the Mets, I think it's more of their offense than their pitching. I mm-hmm. think they're they're doing a better job on the mound than they are doing at, at the plate. Not to say that they're doing a great job on the mound. But I do think just overall they just need, they need more consistency from the team. And their big guys need to get going. Alonso needs to start heating up again. Lindor, like you said, McNeil's been good all year. Uh, nothing to complain about. Um, Nimmo has been great. But other than that, you know, I, I think Vogelback and Fam are kind of slowing the team down. And I saw an article last week talking about that also. Like these, they're both hitting under. I think it was two twenty, two thirty. But uh, there are guys that maybe you should consider moving moving on from. Yeah, uh, Chris. Yeah. Uh, aside from the Mets, Mets talk. Let's get into some Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz, uh, a top five prospect oh. in the Reds organization. He just got called up, and honestly, uh, I think Chris, you, you texted me a couple days ago, and honestly, on point, giving me only only Cruz vibes. Uh, he's a six yeah. five shortstop, great range, uh, with co- obviously the complimentary bat, and the speed obviously is the uh, kind of the meat the meat of potatoes, the bat, the heavy bat, and the speed. Um, he's slashing three sixty four, uh, four sixty two nine oh nine through eleven at bats. He went one for four today. Uh, and the Dodgers six nothing lost. They did take the series all uh, with, against the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, that walk off homer by Benson last night that was big. Uh, yeah. Dela Cruz is really giving me O'Neill Cruz vibes because he has, like I said, he has that range, he has that speed. And last night he homered and tripled. And mm-hmm. I think it was it was ten point eighty three seconds, the fastest time from home yeah. to first. I think that 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 was wild. I, I haven't seen a guy run that fast in my life. Like he he flew. Uh, and he said, just he's making loud contact and he's really hitting the ball hard. And I think aside from De La Cruz, the Reds just have a bright future ahead of them. Like they have the Noavi Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier, Matt McLean, who's already already fighting for as a spot for rookie of the year this year. Uh, Anchor Nacio Strand is a big name. He's got a 1.119 OPS and uh, AAA, 15 home runs. So overall, I think the Reds infield has definitely has a lot to look forward to. Uh, a couple of years, a lot of these guys are young. Uh, most of these guys are in single, double, and a couple of guys that can also transit triple A. And obviously, McLean got called up from triple A, and I think it was double A. But uh, overall, I think the Reds have a lot to look forward to. And obviously, you got India at second. So that's going to be a little tough because most of these guys uh, will be playing some sort of spot in the infield. Uh, mm-hmm. It's gonna get a little tough. They got, like I said, six, seven guys in in the farm system that play in field positions. So that yeah. means that you're either moving them uh, for pitching, which the Reds can use, or you're 
you're you're trading them away because that's really all comes down to it. But Chris, yeah, uh, what they, are you seeing from Ellie De La Cruz? So it is like you did mention it, where they have a lot of infielders playing, and they are actually working on trying to get all those guys in, in the lineup. I mean, Spencer Steer has been playing first and third form, but now that. Uh, De La Cruz is up. They've put him in the outfield and he did all right from what the reporting is saying. Like he did fine out there, which is good because you basically are going to have De La Cruz at third, McLean at short, Indy's at second, and then Joey Votto is going to be coming back at some point soon and he'll have to play first. And then you got Encarnacion, who's in the minors, who's also, I believe, a first baseman. So yeah. yeah, you've got to find these these infielders places to play and some of them are going to have to go to the outfield. I did hear uh, I think it was while I was on my vacation that Jeff Passan suggested, maybe it's John Morosi. One of those two guys kind of suggested about how the Mariners, who obviously have been awful, and they could be active at the deadline and looking for players that not only fit them now but also in the future. And one of them was Jonathan India, who it would be a bit of a surprise move considering the Mariners got Colton Wong this offseason, but he's been atrocious. So I'd totally fine with getting India. And let's be honest, the Mariners have a good rapport with the Reds after trading for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez and Luis Castillo all last season. And you mentioned a bunch of the, the prospects the Reds have are former Mariner prospects as well as as Marte's a, a former Mariner, right? Yep, he was yeah. supposed to be the prime shortstop guy, future form. There's also yeah. talk about him moving to third. Uh-huh. Uh, Edwin Arroyo is another one as well. Brandon Williamson, who's up with them, was a guy as well. Wow, so there's, there's a lot. Yeah. A yeah. lot of guys. The, huh. the Reds claimed up a lot of the Mariners' farm system, and I think all those trades were fair. I think they were all good they trades. Were. They benefited were. both teams and everything. Definitely so, cashed out. Yeah, but with De La Cruz, yeah, he – I mean, not only – do they does De La Cruz and O'Neill Cruz come up with the same kind of like fanfare? They're both relatively the same height, relatively the same build, tall, very tall guys who are thin and but can crank up the velocity on on balls that are put in play. And I haven't quite seen De La Cruz bust out and show off his arm like O'Neill did last year. I mean, one of the things that kind of makes De La Cruz give me those O'Neill Cruz vibes are every time one of them does something, there's always some stat cast number that a trip that went along with like he's throwing 98 miles an hour from deep short to first, like the hardest thrown ball ever, you know, or he's hitting balls that are about to leave the park and everything that are going off at like 110 miles plus you know off the bat and stuff like that and like that's what kind of gives me really big besides the fact that both of them are about the same height and build is that they're both kind of getting these numbers it's like like you said the fastest first or you know home to third triple time it ever recorded i mean it's it's insane what those guys can do but hey when you're that tall you should have a really long stride so you should cover a lot of ground and they're doing it but he does the other thing is with o'neill cruz there's a lot of hope with him coming up and excitement with him and kind of looking at the future. And that's the same thing that's happening with De La Cruz here with the Reds is now you have a lot of hope and excitement. You have somebody who's kind of putting the organization back on the map in the national spotlight. And that's something that is great to see for them. They've got a long ways to go, but it looks like they're developing their prospects the way that they need to, to be successful at the majors. And if they do, 
watch out for the Reds. They could be a Pittsburgh Pirate type team here in the next couple of years. Um, that you know just comes out of the gates hot and surprises everybody. And they also got the same hair. Um, one thing I noticed <laughs> yeah. off of that when I when I was comparing the two, I was like, they got the same hair. Like I, I want that hair. That that's some cool uh, some cool braids. I I'll take that any day. Uh, you know I'm white. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But um, this is the next topic is a little more. Uh, we, me and Chris decided to go a little fluff for you guys. Uh, considering we did have an episode earlier this week with BBD, uh, that was a fun one. Uh, he spilled some water <laughs> all over his computer, but it, it worked out fine. Uh, that, that was a fun episode. But this is more of a, uh, an interesting topic for you guys because uh, obviously one of the, the two biggest names in baseball uh both on the same team at los angeles angels or anaheim if you're going to be uh technical with me so the angels are 33 and 30 right now the third in the west and the biggest conversation right now is Shohei otani uh because he's obviously entering free agency this year we all know and there's a ton of rumors uh uh, Six hundred million dollars. Can he get that biggest contract of all time? I saw that. This is a really cool. Just quote from Sports Track. Sports Track, a website that focuses on sports contracts, recently mm-hmm. revealed contracts valuations up for Otani. Like, you got to keep up with me, you guys. Eight years, two hundred thirty million as a pitcher, and ten years, three hundred thirty million dollars as a hitter. That's combined to five hundred sixty-three dollars, five hundred sixty-three million. Uh, so, you know, it's inherently show Otani. Like, like you see, he's uh, many are expecting him to get somewhere near six hundred million dollars. That's 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 just an incredible number, and you're never going to see that unless somehow we get some uh, some sort of Shohei uh, again. But I don't think so. <laughs> we're ever going to someone's ever going to replicate what Shohei can do from both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. But you know, it's there's nothing really to say other than you know he's probably one of the the most talented player in baseball, and. Uh, unless you know you're Babe Ruth, Shohei Tani, you you usually don't excel at both sides of the ball, and that's yeah. what what he does. So uh, there's a lot of doubt that he's going to stay in with the Angels. I think he's looking to get. They're obviously the bigger name, the bigger teams, and the bigger spenders are obviously going to uh, take a vote on him. They're obviously going to pursue him. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets have already taken a vote on him. Uh, but it's going to be close to $600, $500 million. Definitely going to be the most contract of all time, the biggest contract of all time. I'm expecting that it's going to be 10-plus years. I'm, I'm assuming that it's obviously with – if you're paying him that much, it's going to be over an extended amount of time because he's been relative hel- relatively healthy, uh, which is kind of surprising when you have a guy who pretty much never rests and he either spends his day DHing plays the outfield a couple of games and then he pitches a couple of days later and he's the ace. So it's a lot, but I, 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 I think one thing that the angels need to work on. And I think th- this is kind of what's held them back uh, since really making, they haven't made the playoffs since 2014 uh, where they got swept by the Royals in three. And I think what's really holding them back is the fact that they just don't do a good job of stacking up talent behind Otani and trout. And I think that's kind of, what's luring Otani away because when you're not in a contention and you, you're, when you're consistently missing the playoffs, it's not, it's not the atmosphere is just not somewhere you want to be if you're that type of talent. And obviously Otani wants to win. Um, and like, like I said, 
Otani is a guy, and he's looking for a lot of money. And the teams, all teams that are going to pursue him, obviously can give it to him. But it's just a matter of for the Angels, where you're trying to build and assess a playoff caliber team, and you have the two best players in baseball. Uh, arguably, obviously, there's other guys uh, that are s- similar and just as talented. Um, but when these two guys are right, and when Trout's healthy, even though he hasn't had a, played more than 120 games since 2019 when he won the MVP, uh, when these guys are healthy, um, there's really just nothing. They're just unstoppable. But other than that, the, the Angels just don't do a good job of stacking up talent. And I think that's kind of why they've been unsuccessful in the past, past couple of years. Um, and I just think that's something that they really need to analyze. And that's something they really need to look into. Because when you're assessing a playoff caliber team, you need depth. And that's what they don't have, Chris. Because, like I said, Mike Trout signed that huge 12 12 year deal was just to be exact 12 years, 426.5, uh, 30, uh, 30, one second, I think it was, yeah, 35.5 AAV. So he's obviously signed for, that was in 2019. So he's, he's going to be with them for a while, but if, yeah. if you're going to build a team around him and if he's going to be your center player, you need talent and you need depth. And I think that's something that the Angels really need to develop and uh, bring to fruition. So, Chris, they give me your take on the Toronto talk. Yeah. So, I mean, they've definitely spent and wasted a lot of time and doing what you're saying, like getting some talent around them that can be su- successful. Um, you know, they signed a big deal for Albert Pujols. That didn't really work out. They signed a big deal with Josh Hamilton way, way back to go pair him up with Trout. That didn't work out. They signed a big deal for Anthony Rendon. That hasn't worked out. Um, you know, they've the Angels have given out or willing to spend the big money on talented players. It just hasn't worked out for them. And you got to wonder if it's somewhere in their talent evaluation is where they're getting it wrong, that they're missing out on these guys. Um because they're not afraid to spend the money, which is great. Some organizations are the opposite, uh, Seattle Mariners. Um, but, you know, the Angels are totally fine with spending the money, but they're just not getting guys that fit well with them. But this past season, they did make some moves that actually are paying out for them. Brandon Drury is looking to be not what he was last year, but that was obviously a career. But he's doing a little bit more than what he's normally done in his past. He's being productive for them, and it's been a big help for them. And then Hunter Renfro as well has also been an additional asset for them. So those two guys help kind of lengthen the lineup for them as well. But, you know, those are also some of the big moves they made this offseason, but it's finally starting to work. The question now is, though, is it too little too late? Like you said, Otani's probably looking elsewhere. He's he can go wherever he wants. Like any team will give him the money except for maybe the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays just because they don't operate and give him big deals. But, uh, you know, every other organization I think would be totally fine and comfortable in dropping a 10 plus year contract for 500 plus million dollars for Otani, because if nothing else, he's going to be a a ticket seller because people are going to want to come and watch him, watch a guy that can, be a lights out ace of a staff, but then also hit bombs from, from the plate as well. And like, he's, he's sensational. So that it's, it will be a, interesting to see what teams are actually going to go after him. I would not be surprised if you saw the Yankees do it again, the Dodgers, um, even the Mariners, they were big on Otani when he was initially coming over and they, 
you know, they missed out on and he went to L.A. And now that the Mariners are being successful, you got to wonder if maybe that can help him because he'd be obviously he'd be familiar with the division, you know, simply just moving from California to Seattle. But, you know, it's a very good pitcher's park, which would be beneficial to him. Not so much on the hitting side, but he does have a lot of high exit velos on his hits. So I think he should be all right and he could fare there. Plus, you know, the team broke their playoff drought and they've got a young core that looks really good. They got a lot of talent there. Um, you know, I, I think he could. I think Seattle would have a big, big draw if they were able to and willing to plant the money. The question would be what moves would they have to make in order to fit his contract into their budget and everything like that. And could, could that mean they're having to make some cuts to some players that they initially were hoping to have on the roster for a few seasons? Um, but you know, that's, that's talk for off season, everything like that. And just kind of going back to the angels during this six-year time, six-year pairing of Otani and Trout, the team's gone through four different managers. They got one final year with Mike Shosha. That didn't work. They got one year with Brad Ausmus. That didn't work. Then he brought in the, I don't know, the wizard or whatever you want to call him, and Joe Madden, and that didn't work really didn't either. Work I mean, he, he did get some success with Otani and kind of just letting Otani call, call the shots on one hill, play the field, and one hill pitch. Um, which I think has been the best thing that they got out of Joe Mann being there. But now you've got Phil Nevin, who I, I don't think he's the greatest manager ever, but uh, he's, I don't know. He's, he's doing he's better this year. But the, in that time, in that time, that six year period, again, the angels are 361 and 410. They've never finished better than third in the L West. And currently they're eight games back of first place. And that's the closest they've, ever been to being in first place in any you know at their time here um and we still have a lot of seasons to go so that that could that number could go backwards even you know depending on how well the rangers keep going and the astros so this i have a feeling that when this year's over i think otani's going to be gone as well i don't think he'll want to stick around uh they've got a lot of money tied up in both otani and trout can they free up money to go out and get some more players that are going to be beneficial and help them that, you know, maybe are along the lines of a Hunter Renfro or a Brandon Drury. But um, yeah, it, it's also another thing that's kind of interesting with the angels. When you look at like their organizationally for their entire 63 year history, Mike Trout is their number one, like most value top, top player. And it, it makes sense. Like no one's going to argue otherwise. Shohei Otani is number 12 already. And he's ahead of guys like Tory Hunter uh, and Vlad Guerrero um, and some other names that play for them and help the angels to be successful and to be a winning ball club. So he's, I would imagine he's going to move up. He would move up higher as well, um, depending on how the season play, uh, pans out. You know, if they make the playoffs, I think he can move into the top 10 uh, in greatest angels of all time. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, but it's just, I don't know if any other organization really wants to say, Hey, we have arguably two of the best players to play in the game and we have them for six years and they're everything we thought they'd be, but we never made the playoffs. Not even once uh, when we had both of them on there. Like that's just, uh, that's kind of absurd to have to possibly have that happen. I mean, listen, if Otani were to go to Seattle, uh, I would not be opposed to it. Um, mm -hmm. he, because we do have the Mariners number this year. Uh -huh. 
Uh, we did we took a series and see. I, I forgot to talk about that, Chris. Uh, I didn't even text you about that, but uh, now I'm gonna get uh, rub in a little bit. Yankees took a series two out of three. So yeah. if you were holding your number, I I mean I'm I'm all for the Mariners. Uh, mm-hmm. even though it's not close to where I live, uh, never I've always liked the Mariners. Good team, uh, good place. Um, so if you if you would go to Seattle, uh, you know the, obviously the Mariners can probably pay for it. Um, I don't think they have any any, any uh, problem uh, transferring him to Seattle. But you know, I think overall, either way, you how you gauge it, Otani is going to get the money. It's going to be there. So no matter what, the Angels are probably not going to get him at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they're going to be and stuck with just Trout next year. So I think it's start. It's it's going to it's going to be back to back to square one at that point, uh, and they're going to have to revamp and really just explore every other option and you know think of anything possible back, to revamp. If, if it goes back to just Trout, does he just say, "Hey, I'm done here too"? Like that's I'm what I was thinking. Uh, that's yeah. honestly, I, I don't know. I think it's too early in the game to call that shot, especially because we don't know where Tan is going to end up. And it could be he'll stay up in LA. It, it could yeah. be that the Angels will get some big, uh, some big name in the offseason that that you know kind of says like to Otani, like, hey, you know, you brought in the talent this year, and you know you you revamped our team, and there's other guys here who I can rely on. Like, hey, maybe I'll stay. So mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, but we gotta come to holding stop here. Uh, Chris has a busy night. So we got to head out, but um, again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, check us out, YouTube, Spotify, and everywhere else you could probably think of is there. So subscribe, of course, give a like, share, and we'll see you guys next week.